Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both players have, have spoken with each other and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other and they're, they're both are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. But these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So we're into our final April for Club Month show, Conan. So that's it. So it's rounded off on a very good note for you and for Scary's Harps. Oh, here we go. Which is just a fantastic way of starting the show. It's Club Month. <laughs> it's been a huge win for Scary's Harps going in, given no chance against Clontarf, going seven points down. And you take it away from there. <laughs> they said we were done. They said we were, we were finished. Um, yeah, no, great, great win. Seven points down, five at half time. So, um... Big comeback. I don't mean to talk it down, but um, no, we were all we were all delighted. Afterwards. This was last. This was last Thursday night, obviously, and uh, so you won. You won by a point. It was two thirteen to two twelve in the end. And Clontarf have been in the semi final recently. Obviously, mm-hmm. the big name is Jack McCaffrey, and they're a good team. So this was a huge win um, for Scaries. There's no doubt about that. The the soccer goal was a classic. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you can get away with scoring a goal like that. Um, just basically instead of going down on it which we're all told to do we just <laughs> swung it in crossed it and yeah. it was like almost like a Manchester United cross into Wayne Rooney and bang into the back of the net there was somebody roaring bend your fucking back like, get down <laughs> on it but um, yeah just uh, Stephen Smith that's our man slid it across the goals and uh, put it away but big big Donald Donald McElgorham as well good feet for a big man good but, um, feet yeah yeah and obviously good finish from him and yeah, it was, a, it was a great win because Clontarf actually lost by a point to Ballyboden as well. And we've been watching the footage before that. So obviously if you're losing by a point to them, you're you're well set up. Like So, um, so yeah. you could get out of the group then? 
Yeah, we just have to beat Ballyboden. Just have to be small matter, yeah. small matter of beating Ballyboden, and that's not going to be till September, obviously now. But you were telling me a funny one in the second half was their goalkeeper. So you're acting the maggot. He's got numbered calls to his midfielders, which yeah. isn't unusual to have yeah. some sort of a call. But he used numbers. You copped on to the fact he was using numbers, and he started shouting <laughs> random numbers. Our midfielder <laughs> just started shouting 21, 21, and everyone looked, and then everyone started shouting these random numbers. Then, and you could see that he was looking all over, and then the crowds started shouting in 17 23 and it was I've never seen an atmosphere like that towards one goalkeeper I actually felt sorry for him but it really worked for us for about 10 minutes he kept just kicking straight down the middle to our midfielder who in fairness was calling it so maybe he was calling the number for him <laughs> but um, yeah so that sort of gave us a grip to get back I think we got level then just we were five down we got the five points back in a row and then was game on that's okay it. fantastic stuff and you scored a goal in the first half 22nd minute honest to god we're not going to spend a whole show talking about this Skerries <laughs> win this is the last week got a goal came off a long ball into the square what are we preaching what does Keen Ward say Put what do I say in. get it in yeah. there there was a shot to drop short right, you know, so, all um, right well they often work out in your advantage right yeah so um do you want me to talk about the goal or go on yeah talk through the goal quickly my, uh, my girlfriend thinks he scored two goals I haven't had the heart to tell her that I didn't score the second goal because I was in there for the second one but uh, I didn't correct her when she when I came home and she was like oh Mr. Two Goals and I was like <laughs> yeah it was a great win <laughs> didn't deny it a classic right so Austin Stacks won the Kerry County title at the weekend which is bizarre to think that a county championship is over but we know Kerry have a unique county championship structure in this was the county final of the senior clubs which is pretty much the county final in every other yeah. county so that's been played off and won by Austin Stacks who went down um, by five points inside the opening 15 minutes to uh, Dr. Crokes and you would think for all for all uh, you know that this was going to be a Dr. Crokes win an easy win because they're dominating they came back brilliantly um, they were led by Sean Quilter he's only 18 he scored seven points he's six foot four inside mm. forward keep keep your eye out for him because he's only like I mean he's, he's going to be a big a big uh, player um, apparently so that was it Austin Stacks win the Kerry County title they'll obviously play the other county championship which involves all the area teams which I think presti- prestige wise is the bigger one anyways yeah. isn't it yeah well that's the one if you win that you go through to represent Kerry unless South Kerry wins it and yeah then, it then it'll back be to back to Austin Stacks yes. money in the bank for them so. money in the bank yeah yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah like it's funny I typed in Sean Quilter into sports file just after I saw the 6 foot 4 note and like, it's a big, he was in the Kerry minor squad there last year he didn't uh, he didn't start for them but big rangy arms like a bit of muscle about him as well as only a minor so yeah yeah, one to look out for keep her eye out for him Just they, they like to build their big uh, Clifford and bloody inside forwards that can kick points and can be that big your man Shaw from uh, Crokes is yeah. no small man either so like they have a uh, a wave of young big men that can score points um, on the inside line Daniel Flynn was back in action for Johnstown Bridge he scored two points they beat Carberry they were on TG Cahir, um yesterday a tie beat Sarsfields that was a big win for them 113 Niall Kelly made his return in that one so they're the two lads that have been away travelling Niall Kelly going back in with Kildare as we mentioned Daniel Flynn not Kevin Flynn went off injured uh, Kildare wing back and we know that Kevin Doyle is injured as well so it hasn't been a great or Owen Doyle sorry Kevin Doyle I think he's a journalist with the Independent (laughs) is he Owen Doyle but like that shit he couldn't play for his club in the championship because he got injured playing a friendly with Kildare that's April for clubs for you that's yeah. the spirit of it that's a weird one but like I mean the argument I think injuries is a bit of a strange one because they can get injured any time yeah, like you know true, that yeah. They're like there's 15 versus 15 in the county thing if you're going to get injured you're going to get injured now I suppose if you had to play four 
if you had to play on a Saturday, a Wednesday in a Saturday club, then you'd be like, yeah. well, that caused my injury. You know what I mean? But if you're playing every week, uh, I don't know, you're just bad luck that you got injured. I wouldn't go so far. But it just it does show that when the county, uh, when they go back to their clubs, all sorts of things can happen, whether it be our fights and matches, whether they're just away from the county setup and they're not together as a group, which I think is important. Yeah. Another, another bit of a story coming from the club is Niall Kearns. He played for his club inter- at intermediate level. So he scored two points. They were beaten 212 to six points. Uh, but he scored three of them. So it's great to see him back. He had heart surgery in October. We were mentioning that. So then we're thinking, like, I mean, if he's back into the mix, you'd hope Kevin Hughes is hamstring issues. He's back in the mix. We know Darren Hughes isn't. So Monaghan... Kind of, we were speculating last week that they wouldn't have any of their three midfielders yeah. and now they might have two of the three so like I mean that makes them so much stronger if he's back right yeah I didn't realise Cairns was so young as well yeah 20, me neither me neither like you know on such a big year last year coming with an all-star and like yeah he's all-star going to be nomination. more confident like I know he had heart surgery so it's obviously not an ideal off-season but you know with a nice, it might be refreshed now coming in he's playing a full game for his club and now coming into the summer for Monaghan at the right time yeah, Do you know, could be. He'd a, he'd a, I'd, he had the operation was for a valve in his heart, and he played away because I was at a, an Errigal Kieran game on Friday night. So we have a show coming out tomorrow, which is coming from an Errigal Kieran um, fundraiser. It was for friends of Kevy, um, who's an ex-player of theirs who passed away, and in association with the Paul McGurr Association as well. So I went up. So Mickey Hart was in the mix, Kevin Hughes, Enda McGinley, Peter Canavan, Declan Bogue. So we're going to bring or release that show tomorrow. Um, but it was at that game, Peter Canavan, it was funny, uh, sent me a text on Friday. He says, Wooly, will you get up at about half past uh, seven or about seven? I want to bring you out to a, a league game, Errigal <laughs> league game. He says, uh, and I says, all right, okay. So I went out to the match with Peter anyway. So Errigal play a lovely brand of football, right? Yeah. And uh, Peter was kind of bringing me up to show me that Tyrone football isn't as bad, <laughs> you know? So I landed, I actually missed Peter. Peter got out for the start of the game. So when we landed, it was one, four to three points. And... Uh, I saw maybe 25 minutes there was one point scored in the 20 <laughs> <laughs> and about four times I went back to the opposition I can't remember the club they were playing I went back to their goalkeeper who just stood there tapping it on his toe <laughs> yeah, Peter so, I'm out of here <laughs> so Peter was livid and then when at the start of the second half in fairness just before we left we saw about one three three great uh, scores from Eric Kieran. they won it handy in the end but I thought it was a classic <laughs> but Peter reckons club football is uh, is turning it around in Tyrone but a long winded reason of why I brought that up is there was a Monaghan fella sitting in front of us at the game and we got talking about Kearns and he was telling us about he played all last year knowing about this valve in his heart he just said yeah he just played played along knowing that there was a risk but just because the county ended then and then his club got a run to the county final or something that he just said oh look shall I wait till the year's out <laughs> until I fix this like valve in my heart which oh. could potentially kill me so he just played away anyways so he has it fixed now anyways thank, thanks, Jeez, thankfully GA players are nuts aren't, aren't they? they nuts and but I can, I can see it from his point isn't it like you would almost say I'd, say if you were given the option right will you even for me my knee is going to be riddling arthritis very soon it's had cartilage taken out of it since I was 15 right so the bones are grinding off each other so now my knee swells up the minute I do anything 
I know I shouldn't be playing this Masters football or intermediate. I don't give a shit. I'm, I, the way I'm looking at it, I'm going to deal with that in my 50s. Yeah. <laughs> in your 50s? When you were 25, you said you'd deal with it in your 30s? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, I mean, it's not at the point where I can't walk yet. So, I want to get one more year playing. Like, it's mad how players just don't seem to care about what might happen in the future with these injuries. And yeah. I'd say that's not the way I'm thinking about it even pushing it on 10 years now where I was pushing it on 40 years back then I'd say that's not an uncommon kind of attitude towards yeah. injuries and like I'm su- not, not surprised but he got treated in October but a lot of people who say I'll, I'll get treated when the season's over then it's like oh but I need a big pre-season <laughs> I don't want to be coming in without any gym work or any running done so yeah like it's just good that he did get it sorted anyway. yeah exactly so Nicky English has been talking about Parnell Park so I think Nicky English was at uh, the launch for Sky um, last week so he was saying teams won't like going to Parnell Park for me I'm not sure from an inter-county hurling perspective for championship matches it's a very difficult place to go like you could argue if you were the opposition whether it's actually fair to play in Parnell Park because it's very tight I think it's too I think it's too tight yeah uh, for senior inter-county hurling matches I think it's too tight ultimately to win you have to go to Croke Park to win anyways so um, I'm not sure about that like I mean Parnell Park is tight you know that from playing on it it's narrow like it's it's as long as other pitches or it seems to be as long as other pitches but it's definitely sideline kicks are kickable in, yeah. in Parnell Park where you might look at one in another pitch and go oh, Jesus I wouldn't even attempt that you know from there but like I mean you're within the laws to have your pitch whatever way we know that from Oma last year when you can when you can narrow it when you want and Parnell Park dimensions are 141 by 82 metres so it's the 82 is the is the big problem so Croke Park is 145 by 88 uh, Nolan Park is 145 by 88 Cusick Park in Nace is 145 by 90 Pierce Stadium 145 by 90 Parky Cueve 144 by 88 Semple Stadium 145 by 90 Gaelic Ground now so they're all they're all the big players in the Hurling Championship which are all uh, most of them are at similar levels then you have the Gaelic grounds in Limerick which I was really surprised about is 137 by 82 and nobody ever complains about that Um, and then Walsh Park is 142 by 80 so it's even narrower than Parnell Park and Walsh Park is going to be a player in the Munster League this year Waterford have home games so I don't think Nicky English has any argument to be talking about Parnell Park it's within the you know the diameters that are accepted it uh, looks like 145 by 90 is the biggest you're allowed yeah um, and then I suppose maybe 80 is the smallest you're allowed but like, I suppose 8 metres for either side it is a fair difference it is yeah like you, you think of you're in the 45 and how much harder it would seem to kick it from 49 metres like you know it does seem like a good bit away and actually with Parnell Park because it's still long it's 141 I think that makes it harder it's it narrow makes it look narrow, but that's probably why it makes it look yeah. that little bit narrower like the Gaelic grounds is 137 by 82 so it's 4 metres shorter yeah. 2 on either end so maybe it doesn't look as rectangly maybe or yeah, something because Parnell Park does look rectangly yeah. and then the stand in Parnell Park is very close to the to the pitch as well yeah. which makes it look really narrow but you still have so far to go to get into shooting range in Parnell Park but it's obviously harder to get there because it's narrower you see, have that the whole way up the pitch, where, whereas a lot of narrow pitches, like the one you're talking about there, is shorter, like Gaelic grounds. So you're closer to get a shot away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But there's one there, Bally Buffet, apparently that was the, the biggest it can be. That is bullshit. It was like 145 by 90, I heard in the that seems Irish to be Times. The, that seems to be the biggest size. No way is Bally Buffet that size. Yeah. Well, you see, I'm, you're, you're checking all these off Wikipedia and off their Wikipedia yeah. page as well, so maybe they're not 100% accurate, but they seem to be 
seems to be close enough to what it is but it is a weird one I'm just thinking of the Gaelic rounds in an under 21 All-Ireland final I scored a pint from around the 45 against the wind so that's definitely short now that I think of it like that has to be I've never done that in my life <laughs> but no so. no you've done this before but that's still 45 metres out it's the distance between the two forty-fives or the two sixty-fives. Oh yeah, that so sure. from that. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, I'm after doing a Stevie McDonald there. That's twice we need to get a sting on this. <laughs> All right, let's move on quickly. I'm I'm a livid about that no, now. I'm Stevie's contemplating. I'm contemplating editing that out. <laughs> Stevie's was worse because he thought if you brought the pitch in, the post would have to move as well. Yeah. Yeah, like, he no. thought you could just shorten it on one side or like. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. They moved the post down a little bit. <laughs> okay, so Rory Hickey, so former hurling um, referee, says if you look at intercounty hurling now, fullback David, declare fullback David McInerney, if he catches the ball in the 21 and the referee is standing beside him, David McInerney has the potential to land the ball on the other 13 metre line. There's no way in the world the referee is going to make it up to the other end, but if there was a referee in each half, it would take the workload off the referee the other guy would be able to cut out a lot of the stuff that goes on off the ball when the play is down the other end. So he's talking about having two referees in hurling. Now, I'm against it in football, but for that reason alone in hurling, like the referee should always be able to stay up to the play in, in football, especially the way the game has turned into a running game a lot of the time and the ball isn't being moved through the foot. Obviously, we're trying to change that and it is turning around. But in hurling especially, like how can a referee... So he's say he's down on the 30 metre line and he has to be down there because he's to throw in the ball or it's a penalty and it, and it turn, turns over and it's a long clearance. How can he blow a free at the other end of the... It's actually impossible in yeah. hurling. I'm surprised that... Again, this is... I'm, I'm straight back to hurling pundits. They never complain about anything about the game. Like, I mean, this is a clear argument for two referees in hurling. Do you ever hear any of them pushing this? Pushing this? You don't. I have a serious... I have a big problem with hurling pundits in that everything's so rosy in the garden they never criticise even to the point where they don't seem to want to campaign for two referees but that is very difficult for a referee when the ball travels that far yeah and what, what you see a lot with referees I think sometimes in fairness is when a ball is down one end of the field it's like they blew a free a soft free just to let themselves catch up on the play yeah do you know and then that's what's happening that. and then they'll probably blow it again to try and get themselves back up the pitch and like it's tough for them they're running up and down like if you can at a county level if you can have two linesmen four umpires a fourth official then you probably can bring in a second referee because yeah you're hitting the ball 70 80 metres yeah yeah, it's too far. It's too far for one referee, I think. I think that Rory definitely has a good point. Whereas in football, I don't think it's needed. And I do think you have that issue with two referees on the field. And I'm always saying this, and we know different referees have their yeah. own little pet hates and everything, that players have to deal with two of these fellas refereeing again, potentially in a different way. You know, like, and that, that's probably be the, the case in hurling as well. Some referees like to let it go. Other referees might be a bit more finicky. So, like, I don't like that dynamic of referees refereeing... Two referees refereeing the game in a different way in the same bloody game yeah. and that, that'll be a problem no matter what way you look at it it would be the only thing you could say is that you'll be switching around at half time so you'll both have to deal with it yeah yeah, it's true you'll have a half of both yeah. and it's true in the international rules you have the Ireland lad refereeing a little bit <laughs> yeah. towards Ireland and the Australia fella doing the same I thing. always thought Pat, Pat McEnany was very harsh on the Irish lads oh he's like, overcompensating yeah he's trying to show that he is neutral and he's a good referee yeah maybe that's the, I don't know I don't know maybe that's the case so John Horan actually anyway so he's not taking this um issue with club ga- club grounds facilitating other sports fundraisers he's not taking this lying down 
So you think he was talking in the sun. They were the only quotes that I saw from him. I think it would be a very sad day that an organi- organisation of our quality and standing would be constantly flip-flopping just because people get an opinion on social media. A large number of these people are not even members of our organisation. They're entitled to have their opinion. They're entitled to put it up on social media. But that's not what's coming true from the membership of our organisation where we have meetings and we behave in a democratic manner. Now, a thing about John Horan there... The democratic manner is county board delegates who are completely under your control, pretty much. You know what I mean, John? So I wouldn't take too much to people you're meeting, where I do take the point on social media, a lot of it can be driven by people who aren't even members. So I do accept that. There, there has to be an in-between here somewhere. And I see a lot of criticism coming from GA members, actually, and even inter-county players I'm seeing criticism coming from. But I do take John Horan's point, and the rule is there. And they can't keep flip-flopping and, and bowing to pressure from social media. Like, I mean, we know a lot of these social media trends and everything. It's a relatively small amount of people anyway, and it's not really the real world. Mm. So I don't think uh, I don't think Twitter is representative. And I've kept I've always said this brands and companies should never be afraid of the mob on Twitter because there's only a small number of people you might not even want to speak to in normal life. But on Twitter, to become, an, to become you know, uh, a mob and and they scare an awful lot of brands into apologising or make or sacking someone like it's scary yeah. but it's not that many people the best example ever was the RTE show um, do you remember the RTE show recently oh. about the transsexuals and it was trending RTE had some guest on this show about transsexuals that a certain group of people disagreed with because he had been transphobic or something like this so there was trends of avoid RTE or boycott RTE this show so this got trending anyways and if you live your life on Twitter and expect to spend too much time on there you might think Jesus this is really a lot of people it was 5,000 and then the numbers came out on the RT on the RT about how many watched the game and it was something like 400,000 yeah. so their boycott which you think on Twitter is enormous this is an awful huge crowd of people who are really angry oh shit 5,000 400,000 didn't give a shit about their boycott and watched it do you know what I mean 1% so like I do think social media just stay off it like it is an absolute I don't I've cut down my Twitter usage completely and I'm a much better happier person for it and I'm not exposed to all this bullshit trends and outrage and all this kind of thing I am living in the real world where these outrage things are not important Mm. to the people I meet on a daily basis anyways Remember, um, it was RT as well, I think it was one of the soccer shows and Dara Maloney had to apologise for Richie Sadler for saying Jesus oh, yeah. one time. You know, and that was probably just a reaction then, like it was an instant reaction on Twitter. And then, some producers know. freaking out saying, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's 10 people giving out about Let's this. Let's just nip it in the bud now. But then Richie Sadler tweeted out himself saying, if, you have to, if you're offended by that, I don't know what to say to you or something yeah. like that. But no, but it's gone crazy. And the sooner, I've constantly, we say, did we talk about this on this show before? Or was I just talking to somebody else? I don't think we did. But I think if, say, if a brand, say if the mob comes at a brand to apologise, if the brand just replied, fuck off, <laughs> I swear their sales would rocket <laughs> they would get so many retweets and you've stood up to this mob regular people don't give a shit about them I would go and buy whatever it is is a Coca-Cola I'd buy 10 cans of Coke <laughs> on, the, on the back of, of somebody just replying back to these people they're not representative of the the population of the country is my point is this you asking me to go onto the sports show account and say <laughs> fuck off to everybody who complains yeah, about it yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah so John Horan I think he has a point what do you think about this like I mean I, I made that point last week there's good causes all the time the rule is the rule they bended it for inter-county they're not bending it for club I have no problem with that 
Yeah, no, like, it, it, it is the rules. I said I don't like the rules, but they are the rules, you know, so if you want to change the rules, then you should do it the, the proper way. I, I don't think he's very dismissive there of social media. I still, It's very extreme, but I still think he can use it to get some feedback if you want and see what people are saying the way you would do with any sort of senses. Yeah, but Twitter is very, very, it's very rarely positive. Like I know. Twitter is a an, an largely negative platform yeah. where you're... You're not getting uh, uh, balanced feedback, are you? Really, like you're getting no. people who are just out for blood. Really, it's isn't a punch that bag for people? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's where they let it all out. But um, but there are still like a lot. There's a lot of sense made on Twitter by some people as well. If you go looking for it, so I don't know. It's an avenue there. I just wouldn't write it all off completely. Yeah. Okay. So Kieran Donaghy was announced last week as Sky's newest pundit. Um. So he was the obvious choice, I suppose, for them. They've lost. They've lost James Horan and they've lost Jim McGuinness. Um, so they're two huge names to lose in the same in the same uh, year. So they only brought on Donahue on. So they're one probably down across their their actual. But they moved kind of down to two pundits now, haven't they? And Peter, where they used to have three, yeah. and Peter doing the analysis. So they've three pundits and two presenters, and that's all my problem. Kieran Donahue will be great. Obviously, we know Kieran well, and we really like him on the show. He'll be a good pundit. But Horan's a good pundit, and McGuinness is a good pundit, and Canavan's outstanding, and Sky is still lacking something. And for me, it's the dynamic of two presenters plus three pundits. No debate, no discussion, discussion because the presenters can't facilitate it because they don't have the back knowledge of GEA. And that's the problem. And it's a little bit sterile. It's not Canavan's fault who, in fairness to him, turns around analysis brilliantly mm. by half time. I don't know how he does that. That's not very easy at all. I don't know how he can actually enjoy the match, having to, the pressure of trying to find something interesting yeah. out of the half time. Doing it on a Wednesday night show when you have two days to go through the footage. I did that before and I found that easy. But I don't know I don't think I'd like to have to turn that around as I'm watching the first half. So like I mean what he does is brilliant. Um but yeah, that's the thing. So you'll have Donaghy and you'll have Sen and Connell, or you'll have Donaghy and who else would they have then? It's just Donaghy, Sen Donahue, and Connell. That's all they have now. Yeah. So that's not a and then if Damien Lawler are on back on board again this year and no disrespect to Damien, but like I mean, I don't remember one interview, one memorable moment. He's had like he's very square and kind of boring and very formulaic where I know they use Billy Joe Padden I know they use Tomás Quinn I'd much rather see those lads doing the interviews and being the sideline reporters than necessarily Damien Lawler who has had a go at it and for me hasn't had one memorable memorable moment in the time you know or memorable interview or any you know I just see Sky they seem to be changing things only because they're losing pundits I don't think they're necessarily trying to you know change it up to make it better rather than just change it up because we have to the format breaks it up as well doesn't it like you have James Horn and Jim McGuinness who are getting into something and it's thrown over you have to move over because that's the format so they could be getting into well I remember James Horn came into our dressing room and I gave him a headbutt because he was annoying me no sorry now we're just going (laughs) prospecting Damien's over here (laughs) Damien's down no unless that's what they're doing they're going to bring them together and just but they don't need the two presenters That like the presenters is the problem and again not specifically the presenters it's just the way it's used and I know they're trying to sort of make themselves the anti-Sunday game and be a bit more sort of remember the, the ad where Jim McGuinness was reading the, the Bible oh, yeah. in the school corridor or whatever it was he was doing but um, they went in over at the tactics board but they can do all that with three of them sitting around the, the panel like you know yeah. Peter Canavan can be part of that discussion and pull up his stats or his team shape that's my point Peter Peter's analysis should only be kicking off what the other lads react to yeah. and they can agree with it they can disagree with it they might have seen something different and then it becomes a three way chat I think they could do without, I think they could do with Peter Canavan 
none of them presenting it. Just bring, let Peter be the presenter who's showing this analysis and the two lads are reacting to that. What do you think? You don't it? need the other two in it at all, actually. Do you know what I mean? Maybe keep Rachel to do the intro and outro and we'll be back or whatever, the pieces, the camera, mm. if Peter's not comfortable doing that. But anyways, it's not my job to produce that show. But it just got me thinking, Donaghy into the mix of, Donaghy into the mix of punditry, of kind of big time punditry. Um, really puts Kerry out on their own as having the most influential pundits in the whole country so Kerry have three on the Sunday game they have Spillane who drives agendas who likes to get you have Gooch who doesn't drive agendas you have Tomas O'Shea who would who I think Tomas O'Shea is balanced as well he nearly overcompensates yeah. with Dublin we've said this said this week before nice mix him. but a nice a nice mix and they, that's the flagship show now that's what everybody's watching so they have three on that now I wouldn't accuse um, Gooch or Tomas of pushing on an agenda for their county you'd like to think that they're balanced enough that they wouldn't but Pat Spillane certainly does then they have the bomber Liston who would have no problem pushing a Kerry agenda <laughs> you'll have Donaghy on Sky so they're well stocked at national level on punditry Dublin then have Kieran Whelan they've Sen and Connell Kieran Whelan likes to push a Dublin agenda even though I think he's very balanced pundit I think he's a good one I think he fights because Dublin have the persecution complex and I think everyone's against him yeah. Whelan will definitely push for them Senan doesn't drive any agenda that I've seen maybe a little bit uh, pro-Dublin they've Alan Brogan on the Sunday end but then they have the ones Paul Curran Keith Barr Vinnie Murphy these uh, lower level pundits I don't mean that in a disrespectful way they might be even in Herald com- columnists but think because they have such legends of the game what they say can make uh, headlines outside of that and they absolutely drive an agenda <laughs> like there's yeah. no doubt about that it's a tough job for, for Kieran Whelan isn't it when you're such a legend of such like you know it's obviously a very passionate support and they're all probably expecting him then to form the defence and I, every yeah. time he's talking I, I can almost feel the pressure that he's under like you know, you know <laughs> yeah. everyone's waiting to hear what Wheelow has to say you know, he'll put it right because he has to put it right yeah. yeah. so like if I was him you know what I'd probably feel that pressure too yeah no it is definitely a pressure I don't know any other counties in football who would have that big kind of a say Mayo have nobody really you know funnily enough they don't have any really big hitters oh David Brady oh, well, he's da- doing well for himself David Brady like he drives an agenda but he's nobody takes him seriously Kevin McStay I suppose is a big one he's too good to drive any kind of agendas he's not into that so like I mean they don't have that they'd have John Casey maybe who does RT radio he'd absolutely drive a Mayo agenda you see you see the difference between the fellas who are completely objective across the whole country as much as possible and the fellas who drive their own county I don't think you can take the ones that drive their own county seriously they're they're letting themselves down they can't their opinion and then you have the ultimate Joe Brawley which he can jump on the Kerry side on the Dublin side no one knows what agenda he might want on on a daily basis but the pundits the point I'm making is pundits who have agendas you can't take their opinion seriously because you don't know if it's their honest opinion or if it's just an agenda you know part yeah. of the agenda that they, they usually do and the pundits on Sky we said that they were good last year like none of them I can't remember James Horn really talking about Mayo or McGuinness talking about Donegal Canavan about Tyrone what he does but he analyses them yeah. never agenda driven no no it's never agenda and in, in the Hurling Kilkenny are the, the most uh, stocked they've Henry Shefflin they've our own JJ Delaney Eddie Brennan and Tommy Walsh um, does a bit on air as well so they're probably well stocked but again none of them none of them anyway there's no real agendas in hurling it doesn't It doesn't really happen hurling's just great hurling's just fantastic <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of JJ Delaney um, he was talking at that same that same launch for Sky um, 
and he's talking about the five in a row. So Henry Shefflin was on a media day last week as well and I see some quotes from him talking about the five in a row. So obviously in 2010, Kilkenny were going for the five in a row, the most recent, and that was arguably the greatest hurling team of all time. But as we mentioned on the show, Tipperary weren't just all Sarans. In the four in a row final, Kilkenny were very lucky to get out alive against Tipperary. So you know, the, the five in a row wasn't as straightforward for Kilkenny with Tipperary sniffing around under Liam Sheedy. So uh, JJ's talking about the pressure. He says, if you go down to the shop for a litre of milk or a newspaper, people are talking to you about it. It to- takes over the whole county. It's all people want to talk about. You just can't escape it. You'd be at work and lads are asking the same questions. You'd end up answering the same questions maybe 10 times over the day. It's the sort of thing that can't, that you can't get away from and something the Dublin players are going to have to deal with this summer. If you get it, if you get into your head, if you're talking about it, especially the... F- it will, it will get into your head if you're talking about it especially the five in a row it's a motivation and if you win Leinster and get to an all in semi-final it gets more real and more the year goes on it gets or the more, re- the more real it gets you begin to let yourself thinking about winning it because it's an opportunity that you'll never get back I don't know like I mean I'm almost thinking how are these Dublin lads going to ha- handle this because we know Dublin is the big glamour team in the country there's no no one ever denied that That's and Kerry maybe a little bit in the football and for them to do the five in a row like the media attention on Dublin and that's why Jim Gavin obviously has completely controlled their output their media output and has the media manager to the point where people accuse them of being boring which I don't think they're boring I think that that's just a completely planned tactic to keep the hype down so this year is going to be a nightmare for Jim Gavin because the hype is going to get real and there's no avoiding this hype so how he manages that I've said sure he has some sort of a plan in place but how he can kind of cocoon his players and shelter them for the like what JJ said if you're talking about it to everyone you meet it's just in your head and psychologically it becomes these matches become much bigger than what they would usually Mm. so like I mean I don't really know how a manager would potentially avoid that unless he wants to take his players away for the whole month of August and on a history trip uh, on a history (laughs) trip to France (laughs) and uh, like I don't know because if you're in your own company all the time then and you're kept away from that maybe that if they were to lose then you'd blame that well they, they you know they never did that before and you know if you're going down going for five in a row and you're at all Ireland final stage the uh, uh, definite help to them is that there's no three week lead into the All-Ireland or there's only one week lead into the mm. semi-final so it comes ticking fast so you're not getting maybe that long wait that used to be there I think it used to be three, week, three weeks to a semi-final and three weeks to a final your head would be absolutely melted yeah. so maybe the new structure might help them Now the only thing it's easier to cocoon yourself in Dublin than it is in Kilkenny I think like if you go down to the shop for, for milk Well that's true yeah. Drum Condry you might not meet an Irish person never alone yeah. a Dublin supporter so I think that's a bit easier but also my question is are Dublin further ahead than Kilkenny were than Tipperary like Dublin seemed to be cut off more than Kilkenny were cut off I know Kilkenny were the dominant force and stuff but they had more realistic contenders right than Dublin do yeah only with Tip only Tip like I mean they had been winning All-Irelands very easily the first the first three in a row were all were all hammerings right. then they met Tipperary for the four four and that was Tip nearly had that one until there was a penalty given to Kilkenny remember Brian Cody after yeah. the game Marty had the cheek to ask him about the penalty <laughs> <laughs> anyways well like even you was not knowing anything about hurling would remember that so then the five in a row obviously they were beaten in the final so that was it so look it's just going to be interesting to see how this summer 
continues on I haven't a clue what I'm talking about because I didn't do one in a row never mind five in a row in Ireland so like I mean I'm just specul- I'm just I'm as interested and curious about this as anybody you're just looking for someone to make it interesting is what you're doing <laughs> well it is interesting but anyways listen that's enough on that two or three more pieces of news here before we go is Derek Hanavan who I saw on the flesh the other night and spoke to some of the Errigal Kieran lads and this fella's the real deal he is has everything Peter has he's not as fat or he's a little bit faster than what Peter was one or two fellas says that he's not as accurate as Peter and one or two told me well that's a load of nonsense he is so he he was alright the other night it was a defensive game the team they were playing so he didn't get um, he didn't get to get on too much too much ball scored a point while I was there in the second half but like I mean he's uh, there's definite uh, there's definite serious speed there so he's gone back to concentrate on the under 20 so Mickey Hart's actually released him and I was just thinking that if it was last year under Tyrone's old tactics Derek Hanavan is starting on that team because he's going to play the Mark Bradley role the Lee Brennan role the whatever that Mark Connor McCallisky maybe the one up top or the whatever decoy the decoy small fast lad um, and now these new tactics have made it almost impossible really for him to start because the four starting forwards are going to be Maddie Donnelly McShane and then the Sludden and Hart trying to stay close enough to them and give a nice ball and the other two will be workers so I suppose Derek Hanavan is looking around I'd say he's maybe not too disappointed that he gets to play under 20 like he's still very very young yeah. play a full year under 20 when the under 20s are finished he can still go back in onto the senior panel so this makes perfect sense to me and for his development it makes perfect sense and it's just the right thing to do all around Yeah it's better for both parties because I jotted down like nine forwards Tyrone still have and they still have the different options like Lee Brennan and McCurry and they can bring in Kyle Coney and McCallisky these boys won't even be starting the team like you know so it's not like they're relying on Derek Derek Hanavan to come yeah. in and change it up. And, and maybe in the future because Dar- like Derek Hanavan will be on this team next year he's just too good not to be so they'll have to find Mickey Hart's going to have that question of how I'm going to shape things to get him on it so then you might be looking at a case where you have Maddie Donnelly and you have McShane in there and you have Dara playing out in the top of the D in front of them with Peter Hart and Sludden a little bit further back do you know what I mean so they're still giving in good ball but Dara's making that first break out he's getting on a bit more ball maybe that's a role and maybe have one working because Tyrone are getting back towards where Sludden and Hart can do a little bit more of the work but he's going this is not my job to find that to, to find this out but he's going to have to find a position for Derek Hanavan because you don't not play Derek Hanavan next year yeah well they could have they could still have the two workers of course I would be advocating for that but <laughs> but they could have like Hart and Sudden rotating like you know you're working one of the two yeah and then come back up and get your breather up here and I'll go back and yeah but I don't think Derek can play that role of the half hour type role do you know what I mean yeah. he, he has to be inside bring, well bring Maddie Donnelly Ma- Maddie Donnelly could do that he's in the 45 and then yeah. the other two rotating who's working or who's not yeah. okay well so look that's for Mickey Hart to to think about anyways and like I said we are releasing a show tomorrow and the first 20 minutes is a one-on-one uh, with me and Mickey Hart so he's in great form he's in relaxed mood so that's well worth listening to so make sure you, you tune into that we'll be putting it out in the morning um, Gavin White so he's going to be out for six to eight weeks after dislo- dislocating his elbow in club duty another uh, problem um, down in Kerry so Kerry are out on June the 1st so I think that's obviously there into the semi-final that's Clare in the semi-final like every other year so it doesn't look like he'll make that but he should be back again uh, dislocated elbow means that he'll still be in flying fit form when he gets back for a Munster final you'd imagine he needs to get straight back in onto the team um, for that bit of pace 
on either a counter-attack or just to try and drive them forward. Yeah, well, they won't really need him until the Super 8's enemy, will they? So <laughs> no. he'll, be, he'll be all right until then. No, exactly. Last one was Navin O'Mahony's. This is one I just came across. So I didn't realise this was uh, a really big problem. So they have declared a mobile phone ban for underage for your Saturday, Sunday morning. So they they have... Um, said that their their nursery their underage nursery pride of clubs is a phone free zone and they have asked parents to show more interest in their child's development as young footballers and hurlers than their mobile phone so like I didn't realise that parents would go see this is this Twitter stay off it <laughs> stay off it yeah. Gee, honestly I cannot I cannot stress enough how much happier my life is that I'm not expo- I'm not on it I'm only on it on a Sunday when I have to work and I have to get roundups of games on a Sunday night and I'll check for tweets or stuff. Um, I use the GER account for that. I follow no one on my own account. I use my own account for the odd tweet to read the replies, whatever, and that would be it. But I don't, I'm not, a, I, I, like honestly, number one, you've more time in the day that you're not just sitting on the couch flicking around stupid Twitter. Number two, you're living in the real world, which is a completely different place to Twitter world and all these Muppets that are on it so like I mean I'd be very surprised that parents maybe it's not Twitter they might be on Instagram there's an Instagram addiction going around as well Um, my partner Itzy I think is stuck in the middle of one at the moment so I have to have to pull her up on that (laughs) but like I mean it's easy to get sucked into Instagram and following people's fake lives and they're really unhappy but they're trying to convince you that they're unbelievably happy and suddenly you're being jealous of someone's life when they're actually in the pits of despair like it's poxy it's all poxy it's not real life but I'm surprised to hear that parents are going on their f- bringing their children down to hurling and football training and not fecking looking at them play and going on their phones that the club has had to take do you think this is a, a publicity kind of thing for Nevin and Matney's or do you think that that's a real problem no I'd say that is a real problem like, you know, I know we saw the picture of the three lads at the, t- at the, yeah. at the Tipperary hurling match they've chosen to go to a game like, you know, there's a lot of people <laughs> who will have to like, you know, bring your son down to the, to the training there or whatever or like an uncle might get roped into bringing somebody down and then they spend their time on their phone and as well those boys have chosen to go to that game which is the weird one they probably paid in but yeah. I'd say that that club might regret it then when they start hearing those parents and over coaching from the sideline and shouting at them and being oh, negative that's and the, <laughs> yeah that's the other one that's the other one then right listen we're going to leave it there Connor. we're going to come back with some championship predictions because we've no championship preview um, show we're going to do a show preview in the two games at the weekend on Thursday so at least we'll put our necks on the block <sighs> and we'll give you our predictions and whoever we think we're gonna are going to win the, the provinces and the All-Ireland we'll come back and give you that next Happiness hit her like a train on a track. I don't really know Jim anymore me and him were like best friends when, when we played you know he's seen the light of Jesus and uh, I'm still like fighting the devil you know <laughs> <laughs> the dog days are over Okay, so we'll start with Leinster Conan. Um, we know Dublin are going to win Leinster. Unfortunately, for all the other counties, that's set in stone. I suppose the question is who are they going to beat in the final? Um, you'd imagine me, they're the, the front runners based on their league form, but I wouldn't think it's a foregone conclusion. Leash are over there, Westmead are over there, Offaly are over there, and Carlo are over there, I'm pretty sure. So I gen- literally every single 
one of those counties would have their ambition to be in a Leinster final so like I mean who do you think Dublin are going to beat in the final yeah Leash and West Meath is a very tough quarter final I was already looking at Leash thinking oh they're in the quarters you know good year last year John Shuk Shukru Shuk Shukru 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 um, yeah right at it I think I'm going to go with me though just on the laws of probability because I can see them in the semi-final already and I can't see Leash or West Meath because I think it's just such a tight a tight game there so I'm going to go with Mead yeah I'll go with Mead as well this year I think geez, it's all or nothing for Mead if they don't ca- it's the, if they don't uh, build on the progress of the league and they were good, very good in the league now I don't think they're too far ahead of Leash or West Mead so I do think that they could potentially get caught by either one of those two teams um, but you would fancy them just to get into the, into the final and if they could keep it within seven or eight points of Dublin they'd be doing very well but realistically that's probably the best that they could ask for um, Munster obviously we start with the two more more straightforward ones Munster is obviously going to be Kerry um, and they'll play Cork or Tipperary in the final isn't that right so yeah. I'm going to go for Cork Cork beat Tipperary well last year in the championship I think Tipperary have plateaued I think Cork might get it together a little bit for a one-off game with Tip obviously Kerry to win the final then convincingly enough although Cork might play very defensively in the final based on what happened last year and the way they're playing this year so they might not take the same hammering Kerry to win Munster to beat Cork in the final what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with Tipperary in the final Kerry to win but um Tip play Limerick so we just I think it's in building and then they play Cork a few weeks later Cork on a free fall and they've got no game to sort of get themselves up for it so um, yeah I'm going to go with Tip to be Cork and Kerry to be Tip Okay, so we're differing there so then the two provinces that at least have us thinking a little bit so Connacht first um, so Galway have the easier route into a final um, Mayo will have to play Roscommon this is all things going well we know Leitrim are improving um, Sligo not so much um, so Mayo will play Roscommon you'd imagine in the semi-final and Galway will be in, in the final so like I'm going for Galway to win this again um, I think they have the game to beat Mayo I think they have the players that can hurt Mayo they have the system that frustrates Mayo Mayo don't necessarily like uh, playing Galway of recent memory and playing against the Galway system which you know they're well able to track their runners they're well able to to played played him in that disorganised messy game and Galway's have seemed to be coming out on top because in that disorganised messy game they have the Comer they have the Walsh they have the special forwards who are able to get scores easier than Mayo who Mayo haven't been able to seem to score um, much against Galway yeah. in, against this Galway team so I, I don't see that having changed because I see Mayo's forward line haven't been weakened with Aidan O'Shea not being in it with Andy Moran most likely being an impact sub Killian O'Connor will come back in I can see Mayo progressing on to the Super 8s but I can see Galway beating them in the final Yeah, I was down in Leitrim and uh, they, they were taking a good, good omen from 1994 because they beat Roscommon they beat Mayo and they beat Galway when they last won the Connacht wow. and they'll have to do the same again this year to do that but uh, I don't think Leitrim are going to win um, I think it'll be Mayo-Galway Mayo I think will beat Roscommon in the semi-final um, and I think Galway I think Galway will win as well. I wish I could say something different, but I just yeah. haven't watched the, what the last six games. Like they, they, it seems a bit hopeless sometimes for Mayo when they're attacking, and Galway seem to have their number on every level. Yeah, they definitely do. When they get in their faces, they piss them off. Mayo get lads sent off. It's all sorts of things. Galway have really gotten inside Mayo's Mayo's heads. Now we don't know if Comer's going to be back for that Connacht final. It, it's touch and go. I think obviously that foot injury and what kind of work will he have done? So that's a huge plus, obviously, for Mayo. If Comer wasn't involved, 
Um, Galway are clearly a, a weaker team. We don't know if uh, Conroy, Paul Conroy in midfield will be back. He's he's He'll be a big loss. So they have a few injuries. They're two midfielders, Duggan and Cook. Even though Cook has been playing in the forwards, they're injury doubts as well. So we don't know what Galway is going to show up in the final. But as it stands now, I think Mayo at full strength, Galway at full strength, I would be going uh, leaning a little bit towards um, a little bit towards Galway. So that's it. Um, uh, Ulster then. I thought you were wrapping the whole thing up there. I was like, that's not it. <laughs> There's another problem. That's your persecution complex. <laughs> now you think you're you're being ignored, not <laughs> criticised. So Ulster then. Like Ulster's very interesting this year because the two favourites, Donegal and Toronto, are on one side. Um, that's the that's the big big semi final on that side, you'd imagine. And then anyone on the other side, Armad Down, Cavan, Monaghan, all have a chance of getting into the final. I think Armad. It's between Armad and Monaghan for me. I think Armad will finally beat Down and win a match this year. Um, I think Monaghan will probably Monaghan versus Cavan that's a real derby game and you know we have to see where Monaghan's injuries are at I know Monaghan are the clear favourites to get into a final but it's a really difficult province to call this one yeah I um, can't beat the Ulster Championship oh, for suspense <laughs> I just I, I find it so depressing because it seems that Derry are playing Tyrone every year so they don't even get going in the Ulster Championship um, and it's a nice start for Tyrone at home to Derry and then Antrim sort of gimme in the quarter final well up for a semi-final then against Donegal I think they'll beat Fermanagh I'm going to back Tyrone to win Ulster this year because I just Monaghan a few injuries and Tyrone obviously getting their act together and looking even better than last year I'm going to go with them going to go with Tyrone Tyrone to beat Donegal even though Donegal really like I know McNeilish isn't there but Jung Gallen's an outstanding player mm-hmm. in O'Donnell and you know they have an, a brilliant forward line Michael Murphy if Tyrone are going with that maybe more adventurous uh, game plan with four forwards being left up there those diagonal balls to Murphy are going to hurt them as well now yeah. I know McNamee's a battler and he could maybe um, do alright on Murphy but that's I, I find that impossible to call that Donegal Tyrone game I heard you could make an unbelievable case it's so 50-50 that you could actually and the winner of that you'd imagine is going to win the, the Ulster title so that's a yeah. there's an awful lot riding riding on that and obviously we'll have a, the easier the easier route into the Super 8s because I was trying to predict Super 8s and then I realised sure it's, it's, it's a nonsense predicting who the 8 teams in the Super 8s will be because the only ones guaranteed are your four provincial winners the, the provincial losers can go back and play somebody who comes up through the qualifier so you could say Monaghan or say Tyrone lose to Donegal and then they play I don't know Monaghan then who lose the Ulster final you might say Tyrone and Monaghan are two of your super eights but like yeah the only guarantees in the Super 8s are the four provincials the other four are completely you can't just you can't just pick the eight strongest yeah. teams basically is the point well that's like because you're right because either Tyrone or Donegal are going to be in those Super 8s who will play a provincial loser that's so what I mean Mayo could be playing them if they lose to Galway so yeah. Mayo might not make a Super 8 suddenly um, yeah, yeah so basically you can't predict Super 8s which would have been nice but anyways we'll finish <laughs> on we'll finish on the All-Ireland um, who's going to win the All-Ireland Conan Dublin you think Dublin are going to win it? Let's move despite on. All, despite all the pressure. Here's the funny thing with me, with this. I think Kerry can beat Dublin. I don't think Mayo can beat Dublin. I think Mayo can beat Kerry. Yeah. I think Tyrone and Donegal can beat Mayo or Kerry. I don't think they can beat Dublin. 
Now, Tyrone maybe but that was a league game you know what I mean yeah. I, th- I think Tyrone might be might be a little bit too soon I don't think Galway can beat Dublin with their game plan I think Galway can beat Mayo I think Galway can beat <laughs> Kerry <laughs> you know I think Kerry are the only team with the game plan but maybe Tyrone maybe I even think Donegal could cause them a lot of problems if they committed to this game plan like they saw Tyrone doing it so if Galway committed mm. if Galway committed to that game plan like Tyrone did in that league final Comer and Walsh inside they have a game plan that could potentially um, beat Dublin we don't know whether all the teams are going to have seen Tyrone in that league game and go we're committing to these four up with the two and a half forward line giving really good diagonal ball into the two lads inside and if Galloway Donegal Tyrone well Tyrone have um, committed to it they could potentially beat Dublin because Donegal have Michael Murphy McBrearty Gallen they could eat Dublin alive they could get goals but you can't you have to give them good ball in, in good positions Galway we know have Comer they have uh, Ian Burke they have Walsh they have Heaney they have Brannigan they have Michael Daly they have forwards that could score 2-2 in 5 minutes and then Dublin are under axe right but they have to commit to that style of football and try and beat Dublin the attitude has to be that Mayo favour a running game against Dublin I don't think that they can beat Dublin at that game I don't think they can um, that's been that's been proven and especially under James Horan they'll play the running game a little bit more than Stephen Rochford troubled Dublin by giving good long direct ball into Andy Moran and that troubled Dublin a lot um, I see Mayo playing more of a running game under James Horan with that half attacking half back line and that can cause a lot of problems but I think Dublin will be comfortable with that I think Kerry can score 2-2 against Dublin inside in 5 minutes and give them all sorts of problems you know what I mean with Clifford Walsh Paul Geaney so a lot of these contenders have forward lines that can hurt Dublin but are they going to use them or are they going to let Dublin win in All-Ireland by walking all over them and laughing at their game plan which we saw last year so that's the question I'd feel more confident of Tyrone and Galway if they committed and got their game plan right going at Dublin and maybe beating them than Kerry are, are Kerry good enough well you see the reason I'm saying Kerry is that we know Kerry will play that game against Dublin yeah so, you know at least Ker- we're guaranteed Kerry will leave four forwards yep. up there and they love a kicking game and, and their they, forwards are better and their forwards the are brilliant yeah. so that's why I'm saying Kerry can beat Dublin Mayo can't the others I'm undecided about because I don't know exactly yeah. well Tyrone I think Tyrone can beat Dublin if um, they do well they w- I think they will do it as well I think Tyrone um, they proved in the league they could do it whether, whether Tyrone are good enough to beat a Dublin team at full strength flat out in the championship that's five subs six subs that's, to be, that's there to be seen as well you know so like I mean it is interesting but like finally like we said Dublin absolutely are looking at these teams now going jeez I hope they don't do what Tyrone did I hope Donegal are going to just come up to Croke Park and roll over which they pretty much did last, last yeah. year Dublin beat them handy at their ease because Donegal didn't commit to try and beat Dublin Donegal tried to contain Dublin and that's been the attitude for the last five years and until teams change that attitude and go and try and beat Dublin sure if you don't try to go beat them how can you beat them yeah do you know that game in Tralee in the league this year I think Kerry are the only team in Ireland who would have won that because Dublin had that amazing comeback like they looked beaten and they came back like Dublin did yeah. and I think Kerry are the only team in Ireland who would have had the balls to ante up again and say we're going to try and score one more and, and win the match and they did they went for it and they scored but the only thing like I just think it's too out of control sometimes when Kerry played Dublin they just look so loose and they never seem to have 
a grip on things at the back like yeah. Mayo like obviously Mayo can handle their forward lines so they can limit them a bit but Kerry never seemed to have that handle no 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 that's the danger that's why I'm saying that Kerry's attitude which I think it will be is that we have to outscore Dublin because we can't contain them yeah. we don't have the, the game plan to contain them but you can't beat them by containing them yeah. like unless you get that balance right Tyrone showed the balance of leaving four up and long diagonal balls and balls over the top and Kerry did that down in Killarney long balls over the top bombard that full back line get a couple of goals you won't beat Dublin on points you have to score three four goals the team that beats Dublin this summer will have scored three twelve and Dublin will have gotten 16 points yeah. you know or 114 or so, you know it, it could be even 412 it could be a freak result where two goals go in inside in a minute Dublin's brains are scrambled like I can see Kerry doing doing that in my head yeah. I can't really see any of the other teams necessarily doing it because I haven't I don't I, I just don't see I haven't evidence of how they yeah. could do it you know what was it Donegal was it 312 Donegal scored in 2014 or was 3 something anyway oh that was 315 that was a big score yeah, yeah it's it's been. the last time a team beat them they got goals. Three goals yeah. that's it you have to score goals and if you don't have a game plan to score goals you won't score goals is that fair <laughs> enough right that's as basic analysis as we can get I, right I, who are you going for he didn't, he didn't commit to a team oh uh, look Jesus I, I find it hard I think Dublin will do it I think Dublin yeah. will finally get will just get over the line but only because I can't be sure the other teams are going to commit to try and beat them yeah. and I think like you said with the Kerry defence I, t- I can see Dublin getting goals against them if you and had assurances from everybody else you would if I had assurances <laughs> that all the other teams would 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 go out and try and beat them I think the pressure on Dublin is going to be enormous it's going to be so big that you could catch them yeah. and this year rather better than any year you could catch them so we'll have to wait and see we'll have to wait and see because you see like I mean if you're giving in some long diagonal balls the pressure the crowd is going whoa the Dublin lads are going to start this is a five in a row it has never ever ever been done in the history of GA and hurling or football that's a huge pressure and if JJ and Henry and all these lads couldn't do it and they're talking about the pressure like I mean now if if not ever get that ball in and put the use that make them under even more pressure than they already were yeah. pressurise all their kickouts give them nothing handy don't give them the Johnny Cooper quick kick out if you can avoid it at all time give them nothing easy and let Dublin try and win it still think Dublin probably <laughs> Dublin like Dublin are probably like the greatest Gaelic football team I've seen now I wasn't really I was too young for the brilliant Kerry team but like I mean I still think Dublin should do it but it's going to be it's going to be definitely and it, they'll get a lot of scares along the way if the other teams can step up to the plate and I think they will as well do you? He's got to put him under pressure got to put him under pressure yeah, Jack Charlton style yeah, <laughs> alright ok we'll be back Let's, like I said we will bring you a hurling show actually we're splitting out the podcast so um, I'm going to interview Joe Canning on Wednesday so we'll do a hurling show on Thursday and we'll do a football preview show as usual and we, ha- we have that special show live show from Errigal Kieran, and we'll let that out release that tomorrow so we'll talk to you on Thursday good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here both parents have, have spoken with each other and uh and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shell shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. 
For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.